Good morning again. Um, if you get a chance, there's another set of blue notes at the tables to follow along. And uh, ink pen here and there if you want to. This morning is part two of a never-ending series. No, I'm not saying that like I'm going to get up here and preach every Sunday forever. Um, but it's an ongoing study in in what it means to go into all the world. The reference being Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And I want to share that, and then we'll get into it. Part 2. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray again. Father, I thank you that you give us your word. You give us worship. Because I know that it flows out of your heart to us. Revealing yourself to us. Showing us your glory. Showing us your beauty, your holiness. Your endless nature and supply that you are. That you are. And it is you who stir in us. And out of that stirring comes worship. I thank you that you let us be here in this space. And I pray that in this space, you be glorified in what is said, in what is done, that our affections are stirred for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So for the highlights that are already filled in, I'm going to give a kind of a quick, hey, let's just, let's just kind of go back through this and get the pieces back together again. And if you weren't here for the first one, then it'll be uh, more than just a refresher. It'll be, it might be brand new. But Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. There is no space, no place, no fiber, no, no 
no smallest particle of anything over which he is not absolutely Lord. And there is none, as sovereign, there is none that can topple his purposes, undo his will, divert, distract, or dissuade him from what he intends and and what he plans. None of the rest of us and no one in the world in the history of ever has that. And that authority isn't just in heaven somewhere over there, just over in the glory land, one day beyond the the pale, and that's where He is Lord and Sovereign, and that's where we'll see Him reign forever. No, it's now. He reigns now. So regardless of the circumstances that we might see around us and see things and go, oh, this is crazy. How could, how could He be Lord and let these things go? Because it fits His sovereign plan. How He allows or stops. And, and, and we see, just a little piece, we see, what we, we see what He allows. And we think, what in the world? What we don't see is what he doesn't allow. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't see what he has stopped, prevented. We just see what he what he's allowed. And it's well, anyway, I'm not gonna I can I can wander, trust me I can. There's so much here. But to go on, he is Lord of heaven and earth. All authority is given to him. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And the therefore is always about context. It means for that reason. If you see the word therefore in scripture, find out what it's there for. We are to go on his authority and by his command. It's not optional or conditional. So because He has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, He says, go. As a result of Him having all authority, He says, go. We go, we go on His authority because He has the authority to send. It's been given Him. And also, we go by His command. Because He has authority, He also says, and I'm telling you, go. So it's both He has the authority to say, go into all the world, but He gives the command for us to go into all the world. It is not optional. It is not conditional. It's not like he says, go as long as everything's okay. As, as, long as, as long as all of the things in the world are flowing well and life is good and, and everything is calm and smooth, go. 
But as soon as it gets kind of rough, a little dicey, a little questionable, hide out in a cave someplace. Just hunker in the bunker somewhere. Gather up in little groups and go hide somewhere. No, he says go. He just says go. Go. And then he says, make disciples. Make disciples equals make students. We are to be learners, not just followers. And the the reference to that there was, and I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm not, I'm gonna highlight it. The reference is there for you to look at, but I want to highlight it. it. Was the parable of the sower, right? You familiar? Hopefully, most here are familiar with the parable of the sower. The sower went out to sow, and the the difference between being followers versus learners is really seen here. The seed that falls by the road is gobbled up, right? The devil comes and just steals it away. It's like it it, it hit the ground, but it didn't really do anything, and it's just it was gone. When you start to really see a little bit more of the emphasis on followers is in the fact that then there was some that fell, there's two different grounds that it fell into. One was the stony ground, had a little bit, little bit of dirt there to grow in, and it sprung up. Looked like it was going to take root and, and produce. Then the sun came out. There wasn't enough soil there. There wasn't enough moisture there. However you, however you understand the growth cycle of plants, and then it just withered. So for a while it was good, and then it wasn't so good whenever the sun came out. It just wasn't enough there for it to grow in. Then there was the seed that fell in the thorny ground, and the weeds, the the vines, the thorns wrapped around that tender vegetation and choked it and killed it. So Jesus gives this picture of those who are followers. There are things that, followers, there are things that can come and just kind of take that away. It's not a problem with the seed. The issue's not the seed, it's it's the soil. And the soil is a whole lot more about the circumstances. How what what is the soil? And and I know we could dig a lot deeper into that and I and I would love to, but we won't t- today. Today. But then there was seed that fell in the good soil. And it produced more than just followers. You understand? More than just followers. It produced fruit in a, in abundance because it took root and grew. And there weren't distractions. Now, it didn't mean that there aren't weeds. It didn't mean that there weren't birds. It didn't mean that there weren't stones. The picture of the soil that is clean soil is it's not going to be disrupted by those things. It's not going to be turned away by those things. 
it takes root and grows because there's just nothing but soil there. And that is a work that the Lord does. We are to be learners, not just followers. To be transformed, not conformed. And that's, uh, I, wanna, I want to come back to that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I think I've got that in there, Chase. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed, not conformed. And the last of, the, of what's filled in for you, churchianity grows by external pressures, Christianity grows from the inside out. It's about transformation. When I, I talk about I want to say the word churchianity. I think of things like cults. And I and I and I think of things that Things that grow by external pressures. And that churchianity grows by external pressures. Christianity grows from the inside out. It's about transformation. So if I would say that Christianity grows by transformation, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, then churchianity grows by manipulation. And that could be aggressive manipulation. Do our stuff or you're out. Conform or die. That aggressive is you must conform to our set of rules and standards. Do the things that we do so that you will fit in with us. That is an external pressure. Do what we do or else. A little milder expression of that is, it's a little more passive. And it's FOMO. Familiar FOMO? F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. Well, if you don't do what we're doing... And if you don't come into the spaces that we're in, you're just not going to fit. It's just not going to go well for you because you're not going to know where we're at. You don't know our buzzwords and what we're talking about. You're going to miss out on something. And that's a little more passive. And then the other end, which uh, it's the last in the list, but it's probably the first that happens a lot of times. It's the, it's the pandering Manipulation, And again, these are all forms of manipulation. This is all from the outside, external pressures from the outside in. It's pandering. Uh, it's, called, it's called love bombing. It's called love bombing. It's, it's usually where it starts. It starts at the pandering and then works its way to the aggressive. 
you know what I'm saying? It starts at the, oh, we love you so much. We want you to belong. We want you to be a part of this. Belonging is so important. You, We want you to fit in and be with us, and we just care about you. We care about your life. We care about your circumstances. We care about everything about you. We just love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. And from the outside, it just feels really good because who doesn't want to be loved? Who does not want to be loved? And then it moves to, do you not want to fit into the stuff that, oh, you're going to miss out if you don't. And then it moves into, like, conform or die. And that is churchianity. And that is the cults. And I want you to hear how it works. It works like this, and you'll hear it. And I hope you've... Well, I hope you don't have to see it, but I hope if you see it, you recognize it. It works like this. Belong. You belong. Believe. Behave. Belong. You belong. And then you'll believe. And then you'll behave. And that is not the way of faith in Christ. That is not the way of faith in Christ. He calls to us. We believe in Him as Lord. And when I say we believe in Him as Lord, it's like this. My will be done gives way to thy will be done. And I don't want any of us in in this room to think that these are foreign concepts to us. How many how many have social media? It's, you know, it's not a sin to have social media, so you can put your hand up. It's okay. So you got Facebook, Instagram, um, I don't know, TikTok. Please, Lord. Pinterest, okay. Please not TikTok. But you maybe you do. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's, there's, there's a wealth of them, but they're just kind of this mainstream group that, that we're familiar with. Um, I hate them all. And like them all in some degree, um, because I still watch them like YouTube, I can become very addicted to just, oh, it, it suggested another really cool thing. And then 27 hours later, it suggested another, re- what, where have I been? I missed life, family, people. The same concepts that drive those social media things. You've heard it before. No, you have. Algorithms, right? So I've got people that I watch on YouTube and they say, hey, I need you to trick the algorithm and like and subscribe so it bumps our channel up to the top that gets us out to more people. So trick the fool. I want you to fool the algorithms. But what do the algorithms do? The algorithms are designed on purpose 
to keep giving you what you like and keep feeding you what you want to see. So it follows your patterns. You tend to watch these kind of things. So I'm going to keep giving you those kind of things to draw you in. Because tucked away inside of all this is advertising. And this is how we all make our money with these things. Is the more likes, the more watches, the more views, the more cash comes in. And that's not to let's just pick apart, you know, being capitalist or whatever and making money off of things. That's not even, let, let's just not even go down that road at all because I don't think it's really super necessary right now. But the necessary part is that they keep telling you what you want to hear. They keep showing you what you and I want to see. I mean, it's, it's me too. And I get mad and I just break the algorithm every once in a while. I just go through and just, like, I'm just going to pick whatever I want to see that I don't need to see just what you tell me. And when you just keep playing to my weaknesses of like, I could watch science videos for hours and just totally geek out on the cosmos and how things are. The James Webb telescope has been like really cool. Another reason it's been really cool, kind of aside, is that they just keep blowing the big bang to smithereens. And the scientists are all scrambling, trying to figure out, Oh no, we've lost our big bang. What are we going to do? Anything but the Bible Anything but Genesis, we can't go there because that just defies everything that we want to shove down people's throats because we hate God. I mean, you might as well just put that in there because it's the truth. But that is how the world the flesh, the devil works. Keep giving me what I want. Keep keep pandering to me. Keep giving me what I want to see. Keep filling my mind with the things that I desire. And all it does is stir my desire for me and what I want. More and more and deeper and deeper. And they know it. I watched uh, uh, sort of a little mini documentary on TikTok and how it got started and where it came from and all of its, you know, growth growth issues and and how it was marketed and how it came to be. But how it came to be and how it grew so fast was because its algorithm was just give them what they want immediately. Find out what they want, what they like, and just give it to them in little bursts and little doses over and over again. And also make it really easy for just anybody. You don't have to be a star. You don't have to be anything to to put a video on here of yourself doing something, you know, dancing to some silly song or lip syncing to something. You just, you just, You just do it. You just do it. You just do it. And everybody loved it because I can be a star. And the algorithm did things to make you feel like you were a star. And it's like it just kept pumping up this thing inside of us going, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, look at me, I'm, I'm famous, look, I got all these likes, look at it, everybody likes me. And you might think, how in the world, okay, that's, that's, that's interesting little study, but how in the world, what in the world does this have to do with going to all the world making disciples? Like, what does this have to do with that? It has everything to do with it. 
because this is not about us. Go into the world and make disciples. It's not about us. This book, it's not about us. There'll be plenty of things in this world that will pander to us, that will stir in us the desire, I want what I want, and I want it right now. And when we know and understand that Jesus is Lord, when we believe in him as Lord, then my will be done gives way to his will be done. We do not belong to ourselves. Hey, the, the world belongs to that system, that world, that place, that realm, I should say, that place, that sphere. The world belongs to that, but we don't belong to that. We don't belong to that world. We belong to Him, not to a group. Not to an algorithm, not to a let's just do what makes us feel good. We belong to Him. We were bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So, in light of, therefore, glorify God in your body. You're not your own. I am not my own. I was. You were. How was that working out for you? How did that work out for me? Terrible. Why? Many of us are... You know what? We're all familiar with it. We're all familiar with it. I work in a place right now, and, and there's a ton of old guys in the crowd. You know? They've been there for years. They're, 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 they're bumping at the door of retirement. And you think maturity and age and been in it for a while, they still act like high schoolers. All the way down. I've worked in so many places and I still have seen people acting like they acted back in high school. And you say, well, you know what? There's a lot of us here and we're homeschooled, so that doesn't really matter. And it's like, I, sorry. Peer pressure doesn't work like that. It's not just in the schools. It's not just it's not just in these the evil schools and the places. No. Y'all, it's everywhere. Like it is everywhere. And every single one of us has that playing at us. Because I want to fit in. I want to belong. I want to be seen well. I want to be received well. I don't want to look like a weirdo. I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to be kicked to the curb. And that is how the cults, and that is how the progressive, whatever, churches, draw you in, pull you in to their spaces by the same methods and the same ways that made us feel terrible in the first place years, but we, but we've changed it. So now you get to belong in our clique, our group, our something, our 
what is the word that the politicians use a lot? The demographics. They continue to further isolate us both from each other and, and from the gospel. From the, the good news that this has, all of this stuff has been overcome in the cross and in Christ. That you don't have to find your identity anymore in the group. That you find your identity in Christ and in Him crucified. That you see what He has done and how He, Father, has loved us and given His Son for us. And that the Son went to the cross willingly. Yes, in obedience to the Father who said, go. But willingly went and died for you and I. And in that death, called us friends so that we would no longer look to the world to belong, to fit in, We'd no longer look to our peers to fit in or to feel a sense of value. Do you and I, do we not see it in what is happening around us, gone wild in the world? Let's just make everybody fit into the thing that they fit into and we'll do anything to get them there. To belong to something and then elevate that thing somewhere up high and make that the most important thing in the whole wide world is to be, pick something. Pick anything. They don't care. Nobody cares. The world, the flesh, and I don't care what it is. Just give me something to belong to. Give me some place that I can fit in. And the younger you are, the more they play at you to get you to do this stuff the more they coerce and coerce. And herein is what the Lord has done in the middle of all this. And yes, maybe you look around and it's on steroids, but it's been there from the fall. I don't want to look bad in somebody else's eyes. What about me? What about us? We say, one final little pitch at this. We see the the World Economic Forum and we see these people doing these things and it, the globalists and all this other stuff and we think, oh, I've never seen anything like this before. This is just ridiculous. This is crazy. The one world government's coming and here's all these things and the one world things and one world, one world, one world. And this is just something new on the, and it's just like, and this is a sign of the end. Rewind, Tower of Babel. Remember that one? We remember Babel and the language is getting confused, but we remember why. Because God said, spread out, fill the earth, multiply. Spread out, I'm telling you, just go. And they said, "Uh uh-uh. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build a let's build something 
that makes us stand apart. And we will make ourselves great. And God came down in the middle of that. And He said, it, 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 it's they're all together. And whatever they want to do is not going to be withheld from them. And you think, oh, well, that sounds good. I mean, potential. Man, the sky's the limit. Whatever they can do. It's like, and man's, that came, just came from somewhere that says man's mind is only on evil all the time. Oh, okay. So whatever we intend to do as a collective whole, that's probably not going to be good for us. Because the whole of what they were doing is like, let's make a name for ourselves. What do we hear? What plays at us today? And, and maybe for some more than others. We, we need to brand ourselves. We have to have a, like a little thing. You know, we have to have something that sets us apart from the others because we have to draw attention to ourselves. And again, I'm kind of, kind of playing at the social media world because it's where we live. It's, it's just because it's social media and it's really big right now doesn't mean that it always hasn't been there. We've got to make a name for ourselves. We've got to build our brand and make sure people see us and they recognize us. We are not that important. We aren't. And every time we become more important in our own eyes, or our things become more important to us, in our eyes, and in those who hear us, He diminishes. Because it becomes more about us than it does about Him. So when He says, go into all the world and make disciples, make students, He's talking about disciples of Christ. He's talking about learning. Make them learners that learn of Me. Come to me and learn of me. How many scriptures do you know in Psalms and Proverbs that that speak of learning from him, coming to him and learning from him? He wants us to know his ways because he's the designer. He created those ways to draw us up into himself. That we might see him and know him and glorify him all the days. That we would live in those right spaces and enjoy life forever. And the fall introduced something bigger than anything. I will ascend. I will rise up. In churchianity, or the cults, or anything, the cult of personality, the cult of social media, the cult of just anything that draws, it's in all of those things, it's by me, for me, or by us, for us. Christianity, on the other hand, is the work of the Holy Spirit in community. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in community. With us individually, but with us in a group. Like I'm preaching to you today. I'm sharing these things. I'm, I'm saying scriptures or referring to scriptures. And you're coming to hear this and and I know that I'm speaking from this word, but I know that we're in community. Like, this is a place, this is an opportunity not for us just to be dazzled. This is a place for us to learn. 
This is a place for stuff to be. This is a place for reminders. Just like this morning. It's a place to be reminded. And hear the word. And hear that be the most important thing that comes out of this is that the word. The word. And I hope that when you hear me explaining and describing some of these things that that address our lives or that we talk about the, from the, the peer pressure, the fitting in and belonging and making a name for ourselves, that you hear that you hear in that, and here is the Word of God just hammering away at those things all the time. But I know that we do this together. You're, you're under my ears. You're hearing my voice, or, or you're hearing Randy's voice, or Brian's voice, or Jim's voice, or Jesse's voice, or Scotty's voice. You're hearing voices say things that are drawing out and just kind of blowing the Word of God up so that we see that but not just so we can celebrate, yay, the Word of God is preached and that's amazing, but that it does something to us, that it changes us, that it breaks the yoke of this is what I want the way I want it and turns us into people who are saying, Lord, man, do stuff. Do stuff with me. Do stuff with us. And may you get the glory in us doing it. I think of what God is doing just right over here. I had this illustration in mind, you know, and I'm still still working on the the picture of it. But I had this illustration in mind, and in the illustration, it's like you see a grain of sand picked up, and it's just small, and that's basically the grain of sand. That's just us, you know, just as an individual. And then you see a transformation. That grain of sand is turned into a stone. The scripture calls us that we're what living stones, right? You've heard that. And in an illustration, I see that grain of sand transformed into a stone. That transformation by the gospel. The gospel gets us, gives us weight. It gives us depth. It gives us a density that we just don't have in and of ourselves. It gives us power, right? Because Paul talked about that. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. So it gives us something we don't have. And you take that stone and you drop it next to the shore. And if you, it's a calm day, then you see the ripples going out across the water. They, they reach so much farther than just that first little impact. They just go and go and go. You'll see them hit the other shore and even reverber, kind of bounce off the shore and then come back. They hit every object that they hit against. They just, they just bounce off and they just keep traveling and traveling. Or... And, and again, I, I will illustrate that small stone being dropped as what's happening over here. Like out of this building and out of, the, out of this fellowship is, is this thrift store to, to reach the community, to really connect with people. And that stone is dropped right here where we, where we kind of live and hang out. This is, this, is, this is somewhat the home space here. And those ripples from this... Well, Maddie, right? It's going to go all the way to Africa because some of that funding and some of that stuff that comes out of this is is moving the gospel and ministry to an, to another continent. That's awesome. So now Renee and Maddie, two stones. Now you're not going to be dropped right here, though you do live here and work here and minister here, and that's that's awesome. But now you're going to be chucked across way out into the lake someplace. 
far, far away. Not to emphasize the far, far awayness. <laughs> but you're going to be thrown out into, launched out into this lake. And you're going to hit that water in Africa with a splash. And the ripples from that will reverberate all the way back here. Do you see what God does when He sends? Do you see what God accomplishes? Now picture that as a bunch of stones being tossed out into the water at different places all over and all the ripples interacting with one another and all of those waves bumping in each other. And every one of those things is pictures of the ministry of the gospel reaching out across the world and one interacts with another and one or the other is encouraged and lifted up. That's why we're here to be encouraged in the word to have our affection stirred for Jesus and His gospel going forward. And who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Who gets to enjoy that? We do. He gets the glory, and we get to enjoy it. And that... That is God using us to go into the world and preach the gospel. We get to go out. Not we have to go out. We get to go out. And He's called us to go out into all the world. And that's from the closest shore to the farthest distant. Wherever you go. Wherever I go. And we get to present the good news that all of the all of the peer pressure stuff all of the fit in like like everybody else fit in is broken and we are not finding our identity in the group Randy I know you we you you've talked about identity identity who we are in Christ there is so much of that in Romans talking about who we are in Christ and why that matters we get to go into all the world and share that gospel. We get to do that. And when that gospel falls on ears and it's received, we get to rejoice. We get the joy of being the vessel that God used to do that, to accomplish that, to make that difference. There one more scripture that talks about Bought with a price. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. And this is, I mean, this is perfect. It's like seeing that this word says, you know, says it is amazing to me and awesome. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Do you not hear all that? From the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Y'all, we don't need those old ways. We don't need to fit something we need to fit 
who we've been made. Children of the Most High God. That's what we need to fit. That's where our identity needs to come from. That is the only algorithm that should matter to us. The ones that come out of this word. Not created by artificial intelligence, but the only real intelligence. We belong to him, not to a group. We behave differently because we've been transformed. The fruit of the Spirit produces the works of the Spirit. Those works are in line with the will and purposes of God because they come from the Holy Spirit who would never, never, never contradict the Word of God. So if you hear somebody tell you, I, the Spirit told me to do this and the Spirit told me to do that, or if you hear someone say, well, the Spirit trumps the Word, run. Run. Don't walk to the nearest exit and dust the dust off of your feet and bail out of that situation. The Spirit speaks expressly and it will... He, not it, He will never contradict the Word of God. Know that Word that you might receive what the Spirit says because you're hearing what He says and how He says it and you're recognizing His voice because you see it in the Word. You see it in Scripture. And we gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ to worship our Father and to be mutually encouraged in the faith. And that's how it works. He calls. We believe in Him as Lord. My will gives way to His will be done. We belong to Him and not to a group because we were bought with a price. We behave differently because we've been transformed. The fruit of the Spirit produces the works of the Spirit in us in line with the will and purposes of God. And we gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ to worship our Father and be mutually encouraged in the faith. There are so many things that in that churchianity, belong, believe, behave model that have done so much damage in the body of Christ. And, and it's... How many ever heard somebody talking about deconstruction as a Christian? Their deconstruction or their deconversion. Heard that? Right? You heard that? Truth is, most weren't constructed in the first place. And I don't say that really flippantly. Well, that was just never one of us anyway, so whatever. No. No, I say that with a, a really very, very much broken heart. Because... Not just recently, in recent generations, but for years and generations, people have been told, pray this prayer, walk this aisle, do this thing, and you're in. Simple as that. It's simple as that. Just pray this prayer, do this thing, and you're in. Okay, how many prayed that thing for the first time with me? How many? How many prayed that prayer for the first time? Come on, I see that hand. You know what I'm saying? And and it's like, in the right scenario, that almost could be kind of funny, but it's not. It's not funny. 
because I've watched it happen. And I thought, what? Okay, wait a minute. Some, something doesn't square. <laughs> something is not square with the scripture here. Why are, why are you giving people a false hope in a few words or a couple of motions? I got baptized when I was, you know, this many, that this big. I'm good. I, well, I come from kind of a Lutheran background. You know, the, the scripture that talks about, and baptism now saves you. Well, you don't want to think about debates around that dude since I've been born again. There's There's been some. So just do this thing and you're in. If that was really true, wouldn't God just say, grab you a fire hose and a truck and get with it? Y'all want to get wet? Sure. <laughs> You're in. Congratulations. I don't even know what happened here. That's all right. We got you covered. And that sounds ridiculous. But that kind of stuff is sending people to hell. They just pray this prayer and do this thing, and it's sending people to hell. Eternity separated from God. If that's teaching people just, hey, you, you know, you, you believe this little thing and you did this little thing and you're good. Don't don't worry about it. You're in. Forever you're in. And they got their card punched and they just feel like, I'm okay. And they're not. And does it not break your heart? And oh, it breaks mine. And thus we are called to go into the world more than just pray this prayer and do this thing. What it produces is false converts. It's first, first John, first John two, 18 through 25. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all, all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us eternal life. Not everything that calls itself Christian belongs to Jesus. So we have deconstruction and deconversion, so-called. But I believe this. Right here in this room today, and, and, and whoever would hear this online or any place else, 
You've heard some assembly required. I'm going to say some disassembly required. Some disassembly required. And that's biblical. Not deconstruction or deconversion, but disassembly. Examine yourself. 1 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Examine yourself. Know what you believe and why you believe it. I know that we do come into this with a little bit of, it's kind of where I came in. But we are called to grow from where we came in. And and I was going to say this last week, and I'll say it this, because it seems to be a lot more fitting. We are not called to around-the-water-cooler Christianity. And what I mean by that is I've worked in a lot of places where you're just given like you're hired, here you go, um, that's your cubicle, that's your... That's this is the maintenance office. This is the whatever the place was. These are the things and 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 go take off and and uh, this guy is the leader over here and he'll give you your marching orders for the day. Go do it. And you go out there and you're like, I don't even know like where do I put my timesheet in? I don't know where's like how many days I think they gave me a list how many days you got off and and sick days and all the things and you kind of start trying to figure this all out. And you end up around the water cooler asking all the other guys, hey, so who's in charge of, and where do I go if, and you end up with a lot of like, well, I've always gone to that person and they seem to take care of it. And then I go over here for this or that. Oh, cool. Thank you. And then you talk to somebody else and it's, and it's, oh, actually, no, it's over here and it's over there. And it's like, all right, well, you just, you know what? You just just figure it out. J- just figure it out. And then you become one of those people. It's like, I don't know. I just work here. I don't even know what our vision for the company is. I don't even know what our purpose is. Are we making widgets? I don't know. But we do this thing, and here's how it works, and you just do it. You just do it the way everybody else does it, and everybody gets along. And as long as you don't you know, stir up the water or ask too many questions, you'll be fine. That is not discipleship. That's a train wreck. But what are we called to do in making disciples? It is teaching them, teaching them to observe. It's the first, it's the first blank that actually has blanks in it. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. This is Jesus talking. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And I'm just going to hit a couple of things that speak of the commands and will and we'll finish. You are the salt of the earth. 
But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And here is here is just one of the commands, but it matches the command to go into all the world. And Jesus already said it even earlier on in the ministry. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And I'll continue on. 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I have heard in the spaces of some of this progressive stuff, we don't need the law. Forget it. It's unimportant. We are no longer under the law. We are free from it. I'm sorry. Is that what Jesus said? I'm just. Let me look at this again. You know. Do you not think that I've come to abolish? I have not come to abolish them, to but to fulfill them. Who, whoever relaxes one of the least of these and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven? Oh, I, I kind of think it matters then, doesn't it? Well, then, how does the law matter? And any I know, you know, Romans, it's just like, just all up in that space. And you hear Paul with the, the back and the forth. Do we throw it out? God forbid, you know. It's just the back and forth of, oh yeah, you know, sin that the that grace may abound. Who cares? You know, grace God's grace is bottomless. That's the the Corinthians dealt with that, right? God's grace is bottomless. Do whatever you want. It's no big deal. He's gonna keeps coming back to you. What is the what is what is what is everything that Jesus referenced? What is everything that, that Paul referenced? The Old Testament and the scriptures. They are scriptures that we have in the New Testament, and we call them scriptures. Why? Because they were talking about the scriptures. They were just repeating and repeating and repeating the scriptures. So when tell, somebody tells you that law doesn't matter, that's, we're, we're under a different thing here, encourage them to run from that. If they are a sheep, help them get away from that. If they are a goat, uh, run. Just get away. The law, another blank, the law 
is a guardian. The law is a guardian. Galatians 3, 23 through 26. The law is a guardian and a mirror. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you all are sons of God through faith. So it's a guardian. Uh, the, another, I uh, think it's King James that calls it schoolmaster. The idea to bring us to Christ who is the fulfillment of it all. But it doesn't stop there. It's, it's a garden and a mirror. James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. I hope I got the rest of that up there. Yeah. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And what is the the law that works out in the bigger picture to us? Is when Jesus was asked, "What is the, what are the great what's the great commandments? You know, what are the great things in the law?" And he says, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, strength. And the second is like it. And love your neighbor as yourself on all, on these, are all the law and all the prophets. That, that, that's the basis, that's the bedrock on which all of those things are built. So did Jesus just throw that all out? I don't think so. Matter of fact, I know he did not throw that out. And finally, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are not left alone. We are not left alone. The next fill in the blanks. More than a traveling companion, he is our true helper. More than a traveling companion, he is our true helper. Now I know in this next slide I put, you know, like a vine he tends. But I don't want you to put like a vine because the Bible speaks of it differently. Like a branch, he tends us so we produce fruit for his glory. John 15, 1 through 11. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not or that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
and him speaking there to the disciples. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You hear that? Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty absolute. Because, again, I'll go back to it. Who is it about? It's about us? Is this book about us? Is, is the whole purpose of being on, on this earth, it's about us, right? Because, I mean, we're the centerpiece, the crowning jewel of God's creation. That's us right here. So it's about us. No. He created us to glorify Him. So it's about it's about Him. Apart from Him, we could do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Okay, hear, hear what's right ahead of that. Because that's really abused. To pull that out and just put it on a coffee mug someplace. Whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. That's about you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So the asking isn't about you and what you want or me and what I want. The asking is about whatever glorifies God. Whatever glorifies God. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He hasn't left us alone. He is the vine and we are the branches and he tends us. And if it's not bearing fruit, it's, it's cast aside because it proves that it was not really attached to the vine and drawing from it. But if it bears fruit, he prunes it that it might bear more fruit for his glory. He is more than just traveling companion. He's more. He is our true helper. And last of all, He has sent our ever-present helper. And Chase, I don't, I don't want you to put it up there if you don't care. I just want to read it. And I would ask that Everybody that, that can, I'm not going to tell you, you have to stand, but I would ask you to stand with me for, for this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this 
that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me Jesus, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, for that reason, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues and some places that call themselves churches. Indeed, the hour is coming whenever whoever when whoever kills you will think he's offering a service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless... I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And you hear this in John and the Great Commission you hear in Matthew. And don't they sound the same? Go. Go and teach them the things that you've heard from me. Do it. I command you. Go. But I'm not going to leave you to do it by yourself. As a matter of fact, don't. Even try to do it in your own strength. But I will send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And He will tell you what to do, what is to come, and all those things. And you say, oh, let's just get really weird with the Holy Spirit. And I come back again to, if it's not in here, and somebody tells you the Holy Spirit said this and that about this and that, and you don't find it in these pages, like just straight up word up, you are really safe to totally ignore that and go, I don't think so, brother or sister. I just don't, I don't believe so. You don't have anything to back that up. And thereby our helper has been confused as our Santa Claus. Thereby our helper who is there to remind us to call to our minds the word of God and who Jesus is and the gospel, and all the things that are of God. Thereby, he's been lied about, and there's nothing worse than that. There is nothing worse than making the Holy Spirit someone he is not. But to us who believe, based on what the Word says, he is our helper. And we're not left alone in this to try to figure out how to do it ourselves. My encouragement as I finish this, these bits and pieces, my encouragement is this. Do not be afraid. Because He sent His Holy Spirit. He sealed us with the promise of His Word. Do not be afraid. But go. Just go. Will I be hated? Will people not like me? Will I not fit in? There's probably a good chance of that. And if it's because you're a jerk, you might deserve it. I'm sorry, but it, it's just true. If you have a bad character and a bad attitude toward everything and your your gospel telling comes from a kind of a snarky kind of position, better than you, better than anything, you've forgotten where you came from because you weren't. And he made you into something else. You you weren't, and now you are. So you don't have a place to look down on anybody or say anything mean or down-talking to anybody. You don't. I don't. But if they hate you for just sharing the gospel, I mean, it's okay. They hated Jesus, Son of God. They hated him. They hate God. And something else, so did you and I. 
we wanted us more than we wanted him. And he did something to stir our affections to him, to draw us up, to bring us to a really powerful word that we don't hear enough of, to bring us to repentance, to turn us from darkness to light. Like he did that. So the ground that we come to them in is that I was once darkness and now I'm light, not because I'm so great or did anything, because he did. And I'm bringing that to you. And if you hate me for that, or I get kicked to the curb because of that, bummer. And that's sad. But you might have planted a seed that God will water and bring to fruit. So do it. Just do it. Go. Go. And I'm saying it to me, and I'll listen to myself.
May we do it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.